But hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Realm of Unknown. I am your host, Shane, and today we have got a rather interesting story, or I should say culmination of stories, because this is actually a script that I had been trying to develop for a while, um, and actually dates back to when this was a YouTube channel uh, for the most part, and is something that I kind of wanted to look back into after recently rewatching um destination truth for the most part uh, pretty much all the way through i believe i got it done and we will be discussing some of the stuff that pops up on that end when it comes to certain stories but as i'm sure you've noticed from the title this is going to be an episode pretty much completely dedicated to ghost stories of antarctica because when you think of ghost stories you probably think of you know haunted roads weird creepy mansions you know, desolate, run-down ghost towns in middle America or whatever country you're in, you probably don't think of Antarctica. For the most part, you know, pretty much no one lives there. Um, however, this is definitely a place that has a history to it, and with that comes a lot of ghost stories. So let's get into the script. Again, this is going to be a collection of stories for the most part, uh, with my, you know, added commentary here and there. Because, again, this is an old script, uh, so bear with me. Uh, in some of the cases, I tried to update it here and there, but for the most part, this is pretty much what was there before. So, throughout this episode, we are going to discuss all sorts of paranormal stories, reports, and legends from the planet's icy continent. And there are a lot, surprisingly enough. Um, Antarctica is one of the places that holds the supposed title of most haunted place in the world. Uh, although, honestly, a lot of places do seem to have that title. But the Frozen Continent does have some good reasons for this title, for the most part. Primarily due to the number of ghosts per capita. The population of Antarctica fluctuates throughout the year between uh, roughly 100, or I should say 1,100 people during the, the winter months and 4,400 people during the summer months. So with that, there is said to roughly be one spirit per every nine people that inhabit the continent. So this gives us the number between either 122 uh, or 488 potential spirits. However, at best estimates, it is believed to be anywhere around 300. And these spirits include those of explorers, scientists, and tourists, uh, and are mainly believed to kind of wander the, you know, the wastelands and abandoned buildings that sort of speckle the area of, you know, islands and the mainland of Antarctica. But I'm sure you're aware uh, that there are, or I should say throughout this, this episode, that you be aware that Antarctica is a rather unforgiving location. I don't really need to go into detail for that. Um, and there are lots of different ways for people to meet their end, as you'll soon learn. So for the first story that we're going to be talking on uh, about, we're going to start off with a strange uh, sort of seafaring legend, being that of the English skipper or schooner named the Jenny. As the story goes, the Jenny was left or had left port from the Isle of Wight in England in 1822 and was never seen from again. Apparently, the Jenny had become trapped in the ice barrier between Drake Passage during 19 or 1823. And for those who are not aware, the passage, or this passage, I should say, is actually the body of water between the southern tip of South America, being the uh, Cape Horn of Chile, 
and the South Charlotte Islands of Antarctica, pretty much the body of water that connects the Pacific and the Atlantic in that area. So, apparently, the Jenny got stuck somewhere in this passage and was frozen solid. The ship was then discovered, uh, pretty much frozen in ice, uh, within the Drake Passage by Captain Brighton on a whaler ship known as the Hope on September in 1840. The crew from the Hope, along with Captain Brighton, noticed what looked like people on the deck of the Jenny, However, when they boarded this ship, they realized that the people had been frozen solid and perfectly preserved. According to the legend, they discovered a journal entry written by the Jenny's captain, and his last entry noted something along the lines of May 4th, 1823. No food for 71 days. I am the last one alive. So the log, along with the journal uh, on the Jenny, were discovered. And within the log itself, it had been entered up until January 17th of that year, and again, 1823. And it supposedly had last ported in Calio, near Lima, Peru. So Brighton and his crew took the journal and the logbook with them in order to return it to the ship owners. Although as it goes, uh, the Jenny itself, the ship and its crew, were left to sail the sea as a ghost ship. Now again, this is a legend. This is a story. Uh, there are no solid uh, factual information when it comes to this legend. And it is very much just something that is told to people traveling in and out of that sort of Drake Passage area to be wary of. Pretty much like most, I think, seafaring legends. So, moving along though, we are going to get into the actual nitty-gritty of the ghost stories here in Antarctica. And with it, we are probably going to talk about one of the most notable guys uh, in relation to Antarctica and sort of exploration of the continent itself, and that's going to be Sir Ernest Shackleton. So the actual first story, though, is not going to talk about him specifically. Uh, it's going to be coming from an account of Sir Edmund Hillary, who was a New Zealand mountaineer and explorer who had climbed Mount Everest with the Sherpa uh, known as Narge Zang or Tenzang, and the two of them on May in eight, or 1953 had become the first known people to actually reach the summit of the mountain. However, uh, Sir Hillary was sort of an adventure seeker and he wanted more extremes when it comes to his explorations. So, uh, just a short five years later, he went to Antarctica and eventually he found himself in the uh, abandoned hut that was once owned by the explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton, which again is going to be a key, key figure that we're going to be talking about. So Sir Ernest Shackleton was an Anglo-Irish Anglo Antarctic explorer, God, I can't speak right there, who explored and led three ex expeditions into the frozen continent throughout his life. He was one of the principal figures during the period of time known as the Heroic Age of Antarctic Exploration. This took place during the early 1900s. But all this being said, Sir Hillary was there in the late 1950s, but Shackleton had actually passed away in 1922, three decades prior to Hillary arriving in Antarctica. 
So whilst in the hut, Hillary believed to have actually uh, witnessed the ghost of Shackleton. He is quoted as saying, I am not a person who really sees things very much, but when I opened the door, I distinctly saw Shackleton walking towards me and welcoming me into the home. And this is probably one of the more notable experiences when it comes to Shackleton. However, uh, there are, like I said, other key moments with the paranormal and Shackleton himself, specifically being a sort of experience that happened before his death, surprisingly enough, in which he had his very own experience while on one of his expeditions into Antarctica. So within the book South, a story of Shackleton's early expeditions, uh, sort of a collection of his own accounts between the years of 1914 and 1917, Shackleton described the intense feeling of an extra member to his party while they were crossing the snow-capped mountains of South Georgia. He is quoted as saying the following, I know that during the long and racking march of 36 hours over the unnamed mountains and glaciers of South Georgia, it seemed to me often that we were four, not three. Again, referring to the number of people within the group. There were three people, but he kept thinking that there were four. This sort of invisible companion, however, uh, was actually pretty positive and a helping addition to the group for the most part. Um, and additionally, though, this is actually something that is not exclusive to Shackleton. Uh, he is actually one of probably the more notable people who had this experience. However, it again is not exclusive to him alone. This has actually happened so often uh, to, again... For the most part, Antarctic explorers, people climbing mountains, extreme athletes, and adventurers in general, that the whole phenomena itself has actually been termed the third man factor. The name itself was actually coined from T.S. Eliot, who was having a sort of poetic retelling of Shackleton's experience and boiled it down to three people rather than four. But essentially, the whole phenomena of feeling as if there is an additional member to your group has now been given a name, and again, being the third man factor, and Shackleton is a key figure in sort of pushing that forwards. Uh, but with this, this is not the final experience that Shackleton and his sort of crew had overall. In this case, however, they are actually the culprits. And uh, it seems that the helpful companion's positive energy didn't necessarily rub off on them after they passed away. So now we shall be discussing the Wardy Hut, which is named after James Wardy, a chief scientist on Sir Shackleton's 1914-1917 to endurance expedition. So the hut itself was built in 1947, however, and again in commemoration to this man, after a previous building on the location was destroyed. The hut itself is no longer in use, however, it is considered an historic site and a sort of monument for those who are visiting uh, Antarctica and exploring on their own. That being said, to make things creepier, the hut is still actually set up as it has furniture and canned food, pretty much as if people are going to still be there, or if the explorers from the early 20th century had just up and left without any notice. It's very weird, it's very bizarre, I don't know why they keep it like that, but they do. Those who stop by, however, nowadays 
sort of have a not so great experience with the hut. Uh, there are reports of strange sensations, uneasiness, feeling not alone, a lot of unexplained noises and movement within the hut itself. Again, you're in Antarctica, you shouldn't be doing that or experiencing that for the most part. After hearing of these reports, however, uh, this is where Destination Truth comes into play. They actually came down to Antarctica, of all places, to do a paranormal investigation, and they actually went to the Warty Hut. So they had a lot of stuff happen there. Um, members of the team heard the frantic flipping of a light switch and the slamming of doors while staying in the hut. Again, they were all in there together. Uh, items like jar lids fell off the shelves on their own, and one member of the crew noted that he felt an additional presence in the cabin with them, and the rest of the team actually agreed, and they were like, this is weird. I do remember watching this episode again. Uh, this was a huge inspiration as to why we're talking about Antarctic ghosts. And I do remember specifically the light switch and the door slamming being really creepy. Because they're all in the room. Like, they're, they're just there. There's no one else there with them. They have a pretty tight crew. Again, they're in Antarctica, of all places. So it's not like they could just be like, oh, there's someone outside. Or, oh, there's someone playing with us. It's a hut in the middle of a glacier, essentially. Like, there's nothing there that could explain why the light switch sound just starts going off in the background. Why doors are slamming shut while inside the hut, not, like, the outside door. It's just a very weird and creepy episode in general, so I definitely recommend going and checking out uh, Destination Truth. I'll try to link the actual episode title in the show note links for you to check it out yourself. So, uh, probably moving on, I should say, uh, probably the largest culprit to Antarctica's spirit population would be one individual incident involving a New Zealand sightseeing flight. So, Antarctica during the 1970s had become a frequent tourist destination for the most part. It's not necessarily a place where tourists would, you know, book a day trip and go and explore the island. However, they would book sort of day flights um, from New Zealand and enjoy, you know, an aerial view of the harsh landscape from a safe distance. However, in this case, one trip turned fatal. And this was primarily due to low visibility during the flight in addition to pilot error. The plane crashed into the side of the Mount Euroda, or the Mount Eurobus, I should say, can't see my notes properly, at the speed of 300 miles per hour. And the impact pretty much killed every single person instantly, uh, this being 257 individual passengers and crew members. So, again, hence why the number of potential ghosts are closer to 300 to 400. Additionally, the corpses that were recovered from the plane crash were stored on McCarbick Station. This is an American base situated on Antarctica's Rose Island. And many visitors to the island, uh, now at least, or nowadays I should say, believe that the ghosts of the plane crash victims are still there uh, because their bodies were brought there, so their spirits are lingering. Visitors claim to hear voices and see short trails of unexplained footsteps being made in the snow, as well as feeling strange sensations as if they were not alone. One McCorbick station worker is quoted as remembering the following experience. As soon as I entered, something was weird. I took a couple steps in, and the hair on the top of my head stood up. I heard footsteps upstairs. 
undeniably footsteps, a slow cadence of footsteps. I froze. The footsteps themselves moved from the back of the building up to the front. Now, uh, when it comes to this account, however, please take it with a grain of salt because I wasn't able to really determine a proper source for the quote. Um, And McCormick Station is not, you know, something to scoff at. It's actually rather large, um, and it has an average population of around 1,200 people during the summertime and about 250 people during the winter. So it's not like you're there by yourself in an abandoned shack. They have a lot of structures. They have uh, clubs and a shop. Like, they have a bar there. So they have a, a few buildings, and I can't determine where this person is quoting and when they're quoting it. So take it with a grain of salt. So next up, however, we are moving back into another haunted hut because it's Antarctica, and there are a lot of them. In the early 1900s, the race to the South Pole was pretty much in top gear. And in 1911, uh, British explorer Robert Falcon Scott and his team set out on the Terra Nova expedition and set up camp on the edge of a great ice barrier. While some men stayed behind with supplies and shelter, the rest of them actually decided to venture onwards. The expedition did not go as planned, so to speak. Uh, A rival reached the pole uh, about a month before the team had actually got there, so someone else trying to reach the destination. And in 1912, Scott and four of his men uh, had been selected, or I should say men who decided to join him on the expedition, perished on their way back to the hut. Uh, These, again, were the people that decided to venture onwards from the ship. So frostbite, gangrene, starvation, pretty much all sorts of reasons for death uh, decided to pick them off one by one. And in March 29th of 1912, Scott recorded his final journal entry reading the following. Every day we have been ready to start our 11 mile trip back to the ship, but outside the door of the tent it remains a scene of whirling drift. I do not think we can hope for any better thing now. We shall stick it out to the end, but we are getting weaker, of course, and the end cannot be far. It seems a pity that I do not think I can write more. R. Scott. Last entry. For God's sakes, look after our people. So the thing is, Scott's hut actually still stands, and many people who visit the location do believe that Scott, as well as the crew members who perished with him, still haunt the location. They believe uh, this due to the fact that they have they have many reports of feeling uneasy and uncomfortable while in the hut. Uh, the voices of disembodied individuals as well as footsteps can be heard moving about. And some people feel like they're being watched. Uh, again, a lot of the times you're either alone or in a small group. So this is not a sensation you should be having in Antarctica. There is also a cross that's placed close to the hut in memory of the members of the Scott expedition who passed away. Uh, There are no weird experiences near the cross itself, but it is something uh, to note. And so for the last mention for this sort of episodic collection of ghost stories in Antarctica, we are going to be discussing a island, pretty much, or whaling station island overall. So this is going to be the island known as Deception Island. Uh, which once housed an old whaling station and has now the bones of the sort of slaughtered 
uh, whales littering the beach. Uh, it's really a creepy sight, but it's also kind of interesting. Um, but the station itself was abandoned during the Great Depression when oil prices fell and it was not able to sustain itself much longer. Uh, it was, however, repurposed as a British base during World War II, and the station still stands along with several containers of, you know, whale fat uh, and other, you know, materials that have been sort of rusting in the Antarctic weather. So, why is this of interest? Some visitors to the island have claimed to see apparitions and strange lights and orbs moving about the island as well as the whaling station. They have also heard disembodied voices moving about, again, the entirety of the island, as well as within the old station itself. Again, this place is abandoned. No one works there. No one lives there. There should be no reason as to why someone's making noise. Once more, Destination Truth did visit this location during their Antarctic uh, paranormal investigation trip. And once more, uh, they had some weird experiences. Uh, they themselves had heard a lot of disembodied voices or I should say noises, not voices, and a lot of them involved very loud, unusual banging sounds that were echoing throughout the location, and they even saw a shadowy figure moving about within the building. Uh, they also caught a thermal signature in one of the windows, and they heard what sounded like an SOS code being tapped into the shack that they were in. So pretty much someone tapping on the outside of the building while they were in it, and they were tapping SOS. So it's really creepy. It's definitely one of the highlights of the episode. And again, I'm going to link that down below for you to check out. It's such a weird episode and such a weird location to think about. Like, it's Antarctica. Why would there be ghosts? Like, you would never think about that as a place for paranormal experiences to take place. But they do, uh, because I think it's a very unforgiving location. And a lot of people, unfortunately, met very gruesome deaths there. But for the most part, that is a lot of the major stories relating to creepy ghosts and paranormal events in the continent of Antarctica. And that's where we're going to be wrapping up for today's episode. I do hope you guys did enjoy it. Uh, if there's any additional stories you want me to dive into a bit more further or, or thoroughly, I should say, uh, or if there are additional locations in Antarctica or different, you know, remote locations that you would like me to look into please feel free to let me know uh you can reach me on twitter instagram we also have a patreon for you to check out uh you're able to reach me there as well pretty much if you have any suggestions feel free to let me know i would love to look into them and i for the most part uh will try to cover as many as i can because there are a lot of weird stories and weird locations out there i do hope you guys enjoy this episode and until next week i hope you guys remember to stay spooky when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.